Hi, this is Malia Warner, and welcome to Power Principles, the podcast. Today, I'm discussing the power of rallying for a cause, the power of becoming an advocate. And I'm sharing my own story of how I got involved with the Emily Effect and became an advocate for maternal mental health. Welcome to episode 15, Rally for Healthy Mothers. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and this coming Wednesday, May 1st, has been declared World Maternal Mental Health Awareness Day. That's a mouthful. World Maternal Mental Health Awareness Day. The month of May presents multiple opportunities to discuss, advocate, and rally for the cause of supporting healthy moms. In this episode, I'm going to share with you my story, the interesting twists and turns of life that led me to become involved with The Emily Effect, an amazing organization with a compelling story and a mission to support and provide resources for women and families during and after childbirth, and especially to end the stigma surrounding postpartum depression, anxiety, and other illnesses currently labeled as perinatal mood disorders. You know that in the last episode, I talked about the need to stop calling a physical illness by an emotional symptom, that of depression. If you haven't listened to episode 14, it is a make-you-think kind of episode. I believe the same is true for the names mental health and mental illness. I think they should be called brain health and brain illness. I am convinced that the fastest and most effective way to annihilate the negative stigma surrounding mental health issues is to change the name away from mental health and mental illness. However, May was designated as Mental Health Month in 1949. So changing a term society has been using for over 70 years is probably a bigger fish than this girl has a pan to fry. So for the sake of avoiding confusion, and so we're all on the same page, for this episode, I will use the terms mental health and mental illness. But know that I am referring to the physiological functions that the brain relies on to process thoughts and emotions. First, let's talk about the power principle of advocacy. What is advocacy? Advocacy is simply public support for or recommendation of a particular cause or policy. Advocacy aims at winning support and creating a supportive environment for a cause. The goal of advocacy is to help people, particularly those who are most vulnerable in society, in three ways. One, to have their voice heard on issues that are important to them, two, to defend and safeguard their rights, and three, to make sure their views and wishes are genuinely heard and considered when decisions are being made about their lives. Advocacy seeks to promote or reinforce a change in policy, program, or legislation. I never thought I would be an advocate of anything except maybe the amazing clearance sale at the local department store. So no one could be more surprised than I am that I have become an advocate and an advocate for maternal mental health at that. I want to tell you the story of how that happened, how I became more vocal and proactive in talking about and promoting mental health for mothers, and specifically how I became involved with the Emily Effect 
This story really begins after the birth of my second baby when, without knowing, I first started experiencing the symptoms of the disease currently known as postpartum depression and continues to after the birth of my fourth baby to a full-blown health crisis. But let's jump forward to the second birthday of this fourth child. On his birthday, exactly two years after he was born, we moved from Arizona to Utah, and I was still very much healing through many health issues. And as part of my healing, I gave myself permission to try something I'd always wanted to do, but never dared to try, writing. I enrolled in a local writing class. I wanted to write lots of things, especially children's books and women's fiction. But as I got started on writing projects, the only thing on my mind was my own story about my healing journey. So for years, I wrestled to get that story into words on paper, or at least into words on a computer screen. And writing was very therapeutic. I highly recommend writing as a tool for personal healing. I entered this story, which I titled Prozac and Prayer, into a writing contest and sent it to an agent and got zero response. Then my family got into some major home remodeling projects and the manuscript and my blog and writing in general got put on hold. And while I was remodeling, sanding and painting and pounding nails, I planned out a website I wanted to create, an online community where mothers could come get tools and tips and training about mothering. I would call it Mama Leah, and it would be a vast library of mothering resources. Everything from mothering survival tips, to recipes and dinner hacks, to laundry tutorials, to video trainings on how to get a baby to sleep through the night. As the remodeling projects wound down, I studied website design and began creating MamaLeah.com. And through all of this, there was always the question in the back of my mind, what should I do with this manuscript, this Prozac and Prayer? Once the remodeling was completely finished and I could finally stop twitching at the sight of power tools, I knew I needed to make a decision. I had a choice. Either I could leave the manuscript, put away, chalk it up as a really good personal therapy, and move on to other writing projects, or I could open the file, blow off the remodeling dust, and revise again. More editing. So I'm mulling over these manuscript options and what I want to do with mamalia.com and juggling the gazillion other ideas always running through my brain as we celebrate the Christmas and the New Year holidays. And I have this shocking realization as we shout Happy New Year and welcome in the year 2016. It's 2016? What? It has been 10 years since my postpartum depression experience? 10 years? When did that happen? And suddenly my story seemed very out of date. Suddenly, there was a huge red expiration date on a postpartum depression manuscript, and that date had long since expired. Certainly, women didn't suffer with postpartum depression anymore. Surely, I had been part of the last wave of mothers who struggled not understanding what those symptoms were and fighting to find the right treatment. Undoubtedly, by now, by 2016, experts and clinicians and advocates had resolved all of the postpartum depression issues. So I chose to put the manuscript away. Writing my story had helped me to heal. It had served its purpose. Postpartum depression like polio or the measles was a thing of the past, and now it was time to move on to other projects. And it seems I had just made that decision when I heard the news. I remember the day my husband said, did you hear about Emily Cook? 
It was February of 2016, and I will not retell her story here because her family tells it so beautifully on their website, theemilyeffect.org. But suffice it to say that my husband and I and Emily, we had all gone to the same community college. We were all from similar small towns. She dated my husband's best friend. My oldest brother had been her middle school science teacher. She had five children. I had five children. And when I learned that she had been hit and killed by a semi-truck during a postpartum-induced panic attack, everything changed for me. I sat on my bed and I remembered climbing out of my car in the middle of a busy intersection and I thought, I can't believe this is still happening. I can't believe that 10 years later women are still experiencing the same thing. I realized that for 10 years I had been so immersed in my own life and unaware of what was going on around me. It brought me face to face with reality and the fact that we are still miles away from effectively understanding, diagnosing, and treating these postpartum diseases, which I believe are varied malfunctions in the brain and body, even though they are all lumped under the grand umbrella of postpartum depression. I knew my story wasn't finished. There was not an expiration date on talking about the issues of postpartum depression. So I dusted off the three-ring binder, which contained the most recent draft of Prozac and Prayer, and I got to work, editing and revising, again, this time with the goal to transform it from a personal self-help narrative into a compelling piece of literature. I actually hired a freelance editor who, from North Carolina, coached me through revisions in what became six months of an intensive writing masterclass. In June of 2016, I re-entered the revised manuscript with a new title into the Utah Arts Council Original Writers Competition, the nonfiction category. Then I had to wait until November to learn that my story won second place. The best part was that I received judges' feedback on my work. Also, I was awarded with $500, the very first money I have ever made from writing. Because of Emily and her family's courage in sharing her story, I donated that $500 to The Emily Effect. Since then, I have been actively volunteering with The Emily Effect to help with their mission to end the stigma about and provide support for women and families affected by the diseases we currently label as perinatal mood disorders. I am trying to speak more openly about my own experience. And the month of May provides multiple opportunities to advocate for maternal mental health. For the past 18 months, I have been gathering and recording women's stories of their personal postpartum journeys for the Emily Effect Videos of Light project on their YouTube channel. It has taken me 18 months, but I have finally recorded my own postpartum depression story. And you can find it in May on theemilyeffect.org under Videos of Light. One of my favorite ways to advocate is coming up on Saturday, May 11th. I am joining Lexi Ramirez, the climb coordinator for the annual Climb Out of Darkness hike. This is a national effort coordinated through Postpartum Support International with local climb leaders and hikes happening throughout the year all across the country. The Utah Valley hike will happen at the Battle Creek Falls Trail in Pleasant Grove at 9.30 a.m. on Saturday, May 11th. What a fitting way to celebrate Mother's Day weekend. I will link all the info on the show notes and on my website, maliawarner.com. This is such a fun event. 
You can come hike alone. You can bring your whole family. The hike is children-friendly, grandparent-friendly, and expecting mother-friendly, and leads to a beautiful waterfall. I am so excited about seeing again the friends that I made last year. Also coming up over the next several months, there are multiple local, state, and national conferences about maternal mental health, and you can find all that info on my website as well. This coming Wednesday, May 1st, 2019, has been declared Maternal Mental Health Awareness Day by many organizations, but it has not yet been officially recognized globally. Postpartum.net and other organizations have submitted a petition to the World Health Assembly and the United Nations World Health Organization to ask them to officially recognize World Maternal Mental Health Awareness Day to be commemorated annually on the first Wednesday of every May. The petition states, Maternal mental health advocates, researchers, academics, clinicians, and people with lived experiences are committed to improving the mental health support for women during and after pregnancy throughout the world. These illnesses frequently go unnoticed and untreated, often with tragic and long-term consequences to mothers, children, and fathers alike. Women of every culture, age, income level, and race are affected. Over 75% of women do not get diagnosed and do not receive adequate treatment and support. Together with the World Health Assembly and the UN community, we can unmask the stigma and make maternal mental health care available to all. Sincerely, the World Maternal Mental Health Day Task Force team. And on their website, you can add your signature to the petition to encourage the WHO to officially recognize World Maternal Mental Health Awareness Day. In the past, I haven't been a petition-signing kind of girl, but I signed this petition. And you can too by clicking the link in the show notes or on my Facebook page. My final invitation for advocacy is especially extended to all mothers. I believe that as mothers, we have to be our own best advocates. Last year's theme for World Maternal Mental Health Awareness Day was Listen to Mothers. I love that theme because I genuinely believe that the greatest changes will take place as we, the mothers, speak up, make our voices heard, verbalize our needs. It is our job to educate our doctors and healthcare providers about what we are experiencing and to expect better treatment. Women are amazing. We are strong, resilient, and capable of enduring a lot of pain and suffering and still get the baby fed and the kids bathed and in bed by 8 p.m. But we don't have to, and we're not making the world any better for our daughters if we continue to settle for not feeling well and leave the doctor's office with unresolved questions and unsatisfactory care. Making our questions, needs, and concerns known is what will instigate change. No one else will fix this problem for us. It is up to us as mothers to become our own best advocates. Thank you for listening. I hope this episode gives you some ideas about simple ways that you can become an advocate for moms. I look forward to having a blast this month rallying for healthy mothers. This is Malia Warner. I'll meet you back here next week for another episode of Power Principles, the podcast.